appreciate that good singing. God has been so very good to us, and uh, you know, sometimes we forget uh, just exactly how good God is, uh, and we take that for granted. And um, you know, we love that old uh, hymn, "Count Your Blessings," and name them one by one, and it might surprise you to see what God has done. And uh, you know, oftentimes we get feeling. Uh, sorry for ourselves when we wonder where God is and uh, I know at least for me when I get to wondering that and I think about it I say wait a minute uh, and I start thinking about all that God has done. I said, well I guess he has been around uh, even when things don't uh, go the way you think they should uh, God's still with us uh, he promises he'll never leave us and never forsake us and I'm thankful we have that kind uh, of God and so this morning we're going to continue our look through the Gospel of Mark. Um, and our title this morning is, May He Has More Than a Pen and a Phone. Uh, several years ago now, Barack Obama, who was president then, uh, said, you know, I have a phone and a pen, uh, and I'm going to make things happen. Uh, and oftentimes when we think of le- and getting things done, uh, we think, well, we just need power, uh, we need a phone, and we need a pen. Uh, and yet those things don't bring solutions to the problems that we face. Here, at least in America, we seem to think, hey, if you throw enough money at a problem, why, that'll solve it. But hopefully we're seeing and learning that when you throw money at a problem, the only thing it does is demand more money. It never really solves a problem. It may solve a, a temporary need, but it doesn't solve the problem. And what, we, what I want us to see today is that the things we struggle with and face in life, we need God and able to overcome those things. Whatever you might be facing, whether it's a spiritual dilemma or a physical dilemma, a financial dilemma, a relationship dilemma, you need Jesus to overcome it because he is the one that has the authority and the ability, the power to do something about the problems that you have uh, in life. So let's take a look. We're going to read. We're not going to read all these verses. We're going to skip some of them. But uh, we're going to start in Mark 21, one, verse, chapter 1, verse 21. There, I got that out. Uh, it says, They went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, not like the scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all of the region around Galilee. Drop down to verse 40. Now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, If you are willing, 
you can make me clean. Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. He strictly warned him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer your cleansing, uh, for your cleansing those things which Moses commanded as a testimony to them. However, he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the matter so that Jesus could no longer openly enter the city, but was outside in deserted places, and they came to him from every direction. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. They came to him, bringing a paralytic man who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And so they, when they had broken through it, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, Your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their heart, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say, uh, to, to say, arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And immediately he rose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. What an amazing thing. Mark's gospel is you know, quick, and uh, he uses the word immediately a lot of times. And so uh, it, it's quick paced. It's likely that Mark, John Mark, uh, wrote down Peter's. Words. This is actually probably the Peter, uh, Gospel of Peter. Um, a lot's happening. We're, all, we're still uh, at the end of uh, chapter 1 and the beginning of chapter 2. And we've already seen Jesus do a lot of stuff. Uh, and so, Mark, the, you know, some of the things in most of the Gospels don't happen in the order that they were, that we find them. And that's why some of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, will put certain things in different order. Uh, because they're arranging them to fit a story, uh, not to give a chronological time zone. And so don't let the fact that it, this is earlier than it is in some of the other Gospels that record this, um, some of these things. It's, it's, Mark begins his Gospel wanting to, us to understand who Jesus is. And the reality is, knowing that makes all the difference in the world. Now there are some that know about Jesus, and in Mark's uh, gospel this morning, the verses that we read, there are people that knew about Jesus. In fact, 
word spread, even without Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and all those other things that we have, and without email and without 24-hour news channels, word spread quickly about what Jesus was doing. And people came uh, to see for themselves. There were a lot of people that heard about Jesus. Just like today, we live in a place, we really are blessed to live in a nation where we can come to church and worship freely. And there are a lot of people in our city, in our neighborhoods even, in our workplaces, that know the name Jesus. They've heard that name. And they maybe even know a Bible verse or two. They've heard, heard them anyway. Maybe they even have one in their home. But you see, knowing about Jesus is not enough. You've got to really know him as Lord and Savior. And when you come to know Jesus Christ and Lord, as Lord and Savior, it changes everything. And so that's... Uh, Mark puts several of these incidents together to show an important truth that Jesus was one that had great authority, unlike any natural man. And so the first we meet, you know, this, this guy in the temple that... Uh, was possessed. This this evil spirit lived inside of him. And it's interesting to me that he, this man, even though he was possessed by an evil spirit, was in what we would call church. He was in the temple worshiping on the Sabbath because that's what you did back then. And so the man went. And even this demon knew who Jesus was. There we go. Now I've got a green light. Sorry about that. I could still hear me. So hope you could too, and, and maybe the folks, Facebook folks uh, got most of it. So even the Spirit recognized who Jesus was and knew who he was. Not just knowing about him, not just hearing his name, not being able just to mention his name, but knowing that he was the Son of God. And that made all the difference. And then we find a lot of other people. Uh, Jesus does a lot of healings, including Peter's mother-in-law. And he heals a leper. He heals 
uh, paralytics, he heals and heals and heals people of all kinds of different diseases. Isn't it a wonderful thing that God has the power and the ability to take care of the problems that we have. But we need to understand that the basic problem that we have is not the problem we think. You see, perhaps you think your problem is your spouse or your lack of a spouse or your checkbook balance or the lack of a checkbook balance. Those things are probably not your problem. Oftentimes in life, we think you know, symptoms are what the problem is. But symptoms are just that. They're symptoms. They're indicators. They're something not quite right. And so Mark wants us to understand that Jesus came to restore us to wholeness. So all these people that were healed, it was... Mark's trying to make the point, only Jesus has the power and the authority, the ability to make you whole. And that's really what your issue is, is that you're not whole. The only way you can be whole is to be in a relationship with God. Being restored by the receiving that sacrificial gift that Jesus Christ gave. When he paid my ransom and your ransom and the ransom of all the whosoever's in the world that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'm glad I'm included in the whosoever's, and I hope you're glad that you're included in the whosoever's. But understand this. The only way for you to be made whole is by knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I want us to see, that's the first point of the message this morning is this, that wholeness comes... By knowing Jesus. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. And more importantly, him knowing you. There's something about being a child of God. There's something about that belonging to the family. And really, that's what most of our problems come down to, is that we're broken. And there's things missing. And the only way we can be made whole is by God making us whole. Now, we as human beings, we look for all kinds of different things to make us whole. We fill our stuff with amusement. We fill ourselves with alcohol, with you know, all kinds of different things. But you know what? None of that brings wholeness, does it? We think for a while it does, but the reality is it doesn't. But knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior makes us whole. He is the only one that can save us. That's why people recognize, even the demons recognize, there was something different about this man named Jesus. Even the demons knew he was the Son of God. They recognized that, that Jesus was the Son of God. 
these people that were healed recognized Jesus was indeed who he said he was. The, the paralytic man that was made whole understood Jesus was God. Even the scribes and Pharisees that were there and they were so legalistic, thought they were better than everybody else, thought they were, you know, the religious in crowd, knew and understood Jesus was making claims to be God. Because they said, who on earth can forgive sins except God? And that was exactly the point. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And that'll give you a headache if you try to figure it out. We've been trying to figure it out for eons, hadn't figured it out yet. It's one of those great mysteries that we just have to accept by faith. But Jesus spoke and behaved as someone who was different than anybody, anyone that interacted with him had ever seen or known before. And so all of those that found healing didn't find it in doctors or medicine, not that any, I think God gave us doctors in medicine and I think God works through those things. They certainly didn't find it in fortune tellers. They certainly didn't find it at the pool hall or the bar. They found it when they met this man named Jesus. And here's the reality. We can too. And I hope that you know that wholeness. I hope your life has been changed by Jesus Christ. And God is working on you and making you more and more whole. See, do we understand that wholeness is a process? We call it sanctification, that big theological word. It simply means we're growing more and more like Jesus. And sin has less and less of a hold on our life. The only way we can break the hold and the power of sin over our lives is by Jesus being the Lord of our life. Not just by going to church, although I'm glad you're here today and I think a lot more people ought to be here. But going to church does not make you a Christian. This evil spirit was in church. It's knowing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, making him the Lord of your life, saying, you know, save me, and make me new, but then walking in that newness. And the only way we can do that is with Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You can't save yourself, and your parent can't save you. Your grandchildren can't save you. Only Jesus Christ can save anyone. And here's the thing, he will save anyone. He saved me, and if you know him as Savior, he saved you too. And if he can save us, he can save anyone. We're living proof of it. 
But more about that in just a minute. So wholeness comes by knowing Jesus. But then secondly, I want us to see this morning that knowing Jesus leads us to sharing Jesus. You see, when Jesus Christ has really come into your life, he makes you whole and he makes you different so that you're not what you used to be and you're not like the things of this world. You're different. And so we find several in these uh, Gospels that when their life has been changed by Jesus, we find a ragtag bunch of fishermen and tax collectors and other just common folks that Jesus called to be their disciples. And when Jesus called them and said, follow me, guess what they did? They followed him. Did they have it all figured out? No, they didn't have it figured out. They didn't even have it figured out at the end. But eventually, when they left this world and went to the next, they figured it out. We need to understand that when Jesus is known by us, We share his characteristics. We begin to look like him. And we begin to talk like him. Now I'm not saying we can forgive sins and we can heal people and raise people from the dead like Jesus did. I'm not saying that. Don't take it too far. But when Jesus changes us and makes us whole and makes us his... He does change us and make us new. And so we are no longer looking like and behaving like the world, but now we're supposed to be behaving and acting like Jesus. The reason so often we don't see God move in our life is because we are not trying to see God work in our life. We're trying to look as much like the world as we possibly can. That Hey, listen, Jesus stood apart from the world. The people knew there was something different about him. And if you're Jesus' son or daughter today, people ought to look at you and say, you know what, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that lady. They may not know what it is, but they should be able to tell there's something different about you. And so we should share some of Jesus' characteristics. In fact, Paul says it this way. He said, you know what? If Christ has forgiven you, you know how it ends. Because if Christ has forgiven you, you must forgive others. Forgive others as Christ also forgave you. Jesus himself said in the Gospels, he said it this way, if you don't forgive Man, my Father which is in heaven will not forgive you. That puts it much more bluntly, doesn't it? So the Gospels are teaching us that if Jesus has made us whole, it means that because we're whole and because we belong to Jesus now, we share some of the characteristics of Jesus. And we share some of the 
actions of Jesus. And what made Jesus' ministry so, I think, is what we didn't read. In uh, verse 1, or chapter 1, rather, let's see, what verse is it? Verse 29 tells us, soon they had came out of the synagogue. Jesus went to church. It says in verse 35, in the morning, having risen long before daylight, Jesus went out by himself and prayed. And so if we find Jesus gathering in the temple, which is what we would call church back then, very similar to what we do today. If Jesus found it necessary to be in church, and he was God and man, those of us that are just man, the people, human beings, what does that say about us? You need to be in church. The writer of Hebrews says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, which is the practice of the heathen. Now again, I've already said, and I told you, you're not saved by coming to church. But if you are saved, you have the desire to gather with God's people. And if you don't have that desire, it's because you're not saved. You don't belong with God. But the great thing is, if you don't belong with God, God invites you to come, be made whole, and then you'll belong. We're admonished throughout the Scripture, the Old and the New Testament, to pray. In fact, Paul says it this way in Thessalonians, he said, pray without ceasing. He doesn't mean that we're supposed to move to a convent or just be in our prayer closet 24 hours a day. What he's saying is that we are to live such a life and we're to have such fellowship and walk close with the Lord that, you know, when the Holy Spirit prompts us, we hear it and we listen. And when there's a need or there's a situation, our first instinct, rather than our last resort, is to go to God in prayer and say, God, I need you in this situation. So knowing Jesus and who he is and being made whole changes us and leads us to become like Jesus. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, uh, verse 29, he says, Those God foreknew, he predestined to be made into the image of Jesus Christ. What that verse means is not that God chose some for heaven and some for hell. What that verse means is that God has determined that anybody that comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will look like His Son, will behave like His Son, will talk like His Son, will have the desires of His Son. But also, and one of the actions, Jesus forgave, Jesus brought healing, and uh, you know, we're admonished to pray for the sick. 
We're admonished to visit those in hospitals and those in jail, and we're admonished to care for the orphans. Those are all things that Jesus did. Jesus prayed and Jesus went to church. Jesus forgave. Jesus gave grace. He loved others. And God calls us to do the same. And here's the ending of the story. Sharing Jesus brings glory. Brings glory. Not glory to you, not glory to your church, but glory to God. When people were healed, when they saw God do these miracles, when they heard Jesus' words preaching to them, it wasn't, the, the attention was not on a person. It wasn't on things and circumstances in this world. Their focus left all the things, the problems, the circumstances that they had and turned to God. And they praised God. And they lifted God's name up. They questioned. You know, sometimes it, it, you know, we get frustrated because we share the gospel with folks and we don't, they don't get saved. We hear stories of people getting on airplanes and sitting next to a stranger and sharing the gospel with them and that person gets saved. And that's wonderful when that happens. But that's not the way God works most of the time. Most of the time when a person comes to Christ, it's because, and when that does happen, by the way, that airport type situation, there's been a lot of seeds planted and a lot of seeds watered in that person's life that allowed them to respond to that presentation of the gospel. That's a rabbit for a minute, but I've caught it and let's get back to my train of thought where I was going with that. Can I tell you that sometimes we don't see people get saved, but our actions and our behaviors ought to cause people to consider the things of God and ought to consider cause them to consider their relationship with God and how they're living their life. That you may not always see it, and it may seem like sometimes, you know, your words are falling on deaf ears and your actions are falling on deaf ears, but here's the reality. God's word says, my word will not return to void. In other words, sometimes you plant seeds. And when you plant seeds, they don't sprout right away. They have to sit in the ground for a little while. And they have to get some water. And they have to get some sun. And they have to have time to grow some shoots. But a lot of times, eventually, what happens? Fruit produces. Vegetables are produced from those seeds. I want us to understand that we are accountable to God for sharing, for doing the things that Jesus did and doing the things that God asked us to do. But the results are always up to God. 
God never told any of his disciples to go and accomplish this. What he always said was, you go do what I've told you to do. God holds us accountable for our obedience. And the results are left up to him. Well, if the results are up to him, guess who that means gets the credit for the results? Not you. But him, because he's the one that gave the results. And so people praised God and they wondered and they, you know, there were people that got saved. There were people that were astonished and repented of sin. There were people that at least asked the question, who is this guy? And I tell you, I think it makes God happy. I think it makes him smile when an atheist or somebody that's so far away from God just simply asks the question, what is this God? Who is he? Because as they ask the question, that begins to soften the soil of their heart. And they begin searching. And guess what scripture says? Jesus said it this way in the Sermon on the Mount. Knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you'll find. And so as people begin to seek God, they're going to find him. But that person may not ever seek God unless you plant some seed. Unless you give some water to the seeds that have already been planted in their life. Or maybe God uses you to bring sunshine into their life. But what is the sunshine and the water and the seeds that God uses to bring change in somebody's life? Maybe it's your smile. Maybe it's your kindness. Maybe it's your forgiveness. Maybe it's your different life. Maybe it's you loving them enough to call them on their junk and not just sweep it under the rug or pretend it's not there. But God needs us and God calls us. But we need to, as we wrap up, remember and understand it's not about uh, the result. We're not, we can't make the results. He's the one that makes the results. We're responsible for being obedient. And here's the thing, when we're obedient and we're serving Him and we leave the results to Him, He's got more than a pen and a phone. He's got the almighty power of God. He is all-powerful. And He's all-knowing. And He's everywhere present. So guess what? That means He can do things we can't do. But he uses us to do it if we're willing to let him, to be obedient. You don't have much more power than a pen and a phone. But you do have a phone line to the one that does have more power. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. God, thank you that you have all power and all authority and that you come into our life and make us whole. And Lord, if there's one here today that 
doesn't know you. Maybe they're in this auditorium, maybe they're watching on the internet. But if they are not whole, if they don't know you as Lord and Savior, their life's not been changed by you, would today be a day, would you help them call out to you? Would you say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I'm unworthy and I'm broken. And I failed you. Forgive me. Ask you to be the Lord of my life. Make me new. Lord, maybe there's one of your children here today and they're saved, but they're not living like they ought to. And they're not where they ought to be. Why their life is all about them and not about you. Lord, what they're sharing is the things of this world. And today you'd speak to their heart and say, you know what, you need to be sharing me. You need to be sharing my characteristics and my actions. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet in this world. Lord, help us to be obedient, that we would be found faithful. That you would say to us, like you said to Jesus, just a few weeks ago when we looked at the beginning of Mark's gospel. Well done. I am well pleased with this, my son. I am well pleased with this, my daughter. Lord, our desire is for you to be able to say that about us. Lord, take this message, take your word and apply it to our hearts and apply it to our lives that we would see you work as only you can do. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Let's stand together. We're going to sing this hymn of invitation. If God spoke into your heart and there's a decision that you need to make, today would be a great day. And this would be a great time for you to make that decision. So let's sing together.